The love of money is the root of all evil. We frequently talked on this show about how it's important to remember what this verse really says. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money is the root of all evil. Today I'm talking with Kurt Holmes, who is a great example of what that distinction looks like. As you'll hear, Kurt is a part owner in over 270 Taco Bells, and he also owns 10 different rental properties. He's been able to develop wealth over the years, and he'll share a story which has lots of ups and downs. But what stands out as you listen to him talk is his complete acknowledgement that God owns all he has, and that it is entirely by God's grace that he has any of it at all. I'm your host, Landon Buto, and this podcast is provided by Cleveland Street Mortgage in pursuit of our mission of helping people to cultivate wealth and property in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. A quick note before we start, I plan to begin each episode going forward by reading a verse from Proverbs that provides helpful instruction in the area of work and wealth. Please enjoy this week's conversation, and remember that if you're interested in getting a mortgage with our team at CSM, or if you know someone who will be getting a mortgage soon, connect with us at clevelandstreet.com. When you have conflict at work, the Bible offers helpful input for resolving it. But most of the solution happens before you even approach whoever you have conflict with. Proverbs 9, 7-9 says, He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. There are two important principles to take away from these verses. First, don't correct a scoffer. Have enough discernment to know this person's habits. Have they ever received instruction? Do they speak poorly of their authorities in private? Are they frequently undermining the plans of the group? Do they delight in scoffing? Don't rebuke this person. It will do them no good, and it will only bring shame to you. Second, be wise enough to receive instruction. The Puritan Matthew Henry comments, The more wisdom a man has, the more desirous he should be to have his weaknesses shown him. Have you ever watched someone admit fault? You don't lose respect for them. You respect them more, and for good reason, because wisdom wants to learn. All right, Kurt, you have gotten into a couple roles where you've had the opportunity to own productive assets, or in other words, to develop passive income. Um, So today I want to hear about that that process and your story, getting to the point where you're at, and hopefully get get any input and advice you have for people who want to start on the path of owning productive assets. So let's start with your story. What has your career looked like? How did you get to the point where you're at right now? I have to start every uh, sharing with sort of my mantra, and that is that I am a turtle on a fence post. Okay. I really don't Someone know. used that. Oh, yeah. Somebody. What is that? I might have with you. When you we don't know how you got there? Is that what no it was? No idea how I okay, got here, okay. but I know I had a lot of help. Okay. Yeah, and it's true. Yeah. I mean, uh, my desire when I was young was to possibly have a home, maybe mm-hmm. have a rocking chair on the front, yeah. and the mortgage mostly paid for by the time I died. Yeah. That was, I think that's most people's that's dream a good point. as they get started, yeah. right? So um, I started out in, you know, in actually wanted to go into medicine and realized early on at the University of Washington, I couldn't cut the physics and chemistry. Yeah. Biology, no problem. So I switched over to, oddly enough, hotel restaurant okay. administration. And Early got, on. 
Well, it was in my second year, okay. and that's when I realized I wanted to do that, and uh, ended up getting my degree from Washington State okay. in a satellite program at Seattle University. Okay. So having been to Seattle University and the University of Washington for four years, I yeah. ended up getting a paper degree from Washington State. And it's funny. Never had seen the campus. That's great. But they had a satellite program. So my degree in hotel restaurant landed me a job with Marriott Corporation. And my desire going into work was to be as honest as the day is long, work, you know, get there before the other people and leave after mm. the other people. And so it's kind of this thing I learned from my wife and, and her family, just everywhere they go and everything they do, people just like, oh, we want to keep them. Mm. They do anything to keep them. I thought, I want that too. Mm. So um, with, you know, I it was er very early on, I became a Christian when I was 19. My wife led me to the Lord. And uh, so I wanted to put those principles into practice. Right. Work hard, be super honest, give exceed expectations, right? Under promise, over deliver. Yeah. And so that was my role. And for ten years I was a school food services director with Marriott, moving around a lot. We lived mm -hmm. in San Francisco, we lived in Montana, we lived in Wenanchi, and I served those school districts. Well, uh, it was in nineteen ninety six that we met a millionaire in a restaurant yeah. who had no food experience mm. but a lot of money yeah. and I had really more or less I was living paycheck to paycheck yeah. and, but had a lot of food experience. Mm. And, and so, when you say food, are you, you know food or you know the food business? I knew food and beverage, Both. catering, um, the financial sheets related to in particular school lunch okay. but more or less how to um, take programs that were running upside down in the red, mm -hmm. school districts, by the way, give yeah. give the government any program, yeah. give them the Sahara, the Sahara Desert, they'll run out of sand. Yeah. And <laughs> this is true of school districts too. Yeah. So Marriott, a contracted service, okay. uh, me in particular, would come into that school district and hopefully within that year, turn it into right. black. Okay. Right? Yeah. And that was with training and stuff that I got, not only from my education, but from more or less feet on the ground. Yeah. And Marriott helping me out. Okay. So that was my food experience. And really, this guy said in the restaurant, Kurt, I'm looking for somebody who can help me interview with Taco Bell. And if you don't have food on your name somewhere, we're not going to get this. Huh. Yeah. And so I took the principles that I sort of gained from uh, the seven habits of highly effective people yeah. and books I'd read, <laughs> stuff, and, and my you know uh, ground experience with Marriott. And we went down to Irvine, California sat at a 30-foot table with the franchise mm. uh, franchisor at one, at one end yeah. and my partner Richard and I yeah. uh, sitting on the other, just That's swallowing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I thought to myself, you know, he's got the million-dollar portfolio. I'm just going to let him do all the talking. He's the big wig, not me. Well, they didn't want to talk to him. <laughs> they already saw the money. They want yeah. to talk to me, and they yeah. drilled, and I um, I really felt like I choked. Mm. But again, just going back to your principles, be honest, work hard, uh, and share from the heart, mm. and be relational. What I'm just curious about that interview specifically. What what were they asking you about? What did you have to? Oh, well, big question. How will you run these restaurants? Yeah, and <laughs> like, uh, where do I start? Yeah, um, and so when when that question hit. The first thing I talked about was people hmm. and relationships and saying, look, I don't have all the answers. I've never run Taco Bell, but mm -hmm. 
but I can train, I can learn, and I can care for these people who do know how to run for Taco Bell. Mm. And recognizing people, and and they they had a hunch that I already knew profit loss and balance sheets, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I again, I thought I choked because I was young, I was 29 years old, and turns out the next day in our hotel room, we got a phone call and said, mm. we're gonna sell you some stores. Uh, here's where the magic started, and I I often think of myself as a Joseph. I'm not as honorable with the integrity that he has, but uh, Joseph, you know, kind of was, he fell and he continued working hard and being honest, and mm. God just continued to lift him from mm. one place to the next. And so they called Richard, my partner, and myself into the room. They said, "We're going to sell you some restaurants in Seattle, but you've got to give Curtis some ownership." He's going to run these things. Yeah. He's got to be vested. That's great. I know, right? You're like, sure. I'm like, Richard, <laughs> yeah. I like this idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and uh, Richard, big heart and gregarious and all these. Yeah. yeah. So it started out at just 10%, right? Yeah. But 10% can be a big number when you're buying franchises. Yeah. Uh, back in that day, a talk, uh, McDonald's could be a $2 million purchase and mm. Taco Bell about a million. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting, I mean, I don't know. I, I think of, these fast food industries and I just think of like them being geniuses at margin and that's you know they figure out how to be efficient and figure out what margin they need to make and and that's it but it's interesting here just their their kind of mentality of how people work their understanding of you need to be invested you need to have some ownership that's yeah. cool to hear yeah did that uh, like can you look back and see how that made a difference in your management uh, well, well, you know, they, they wanted me vested, right? So yeah. I don't just walk and leave a millionaire with these toys that they that right. can't even play with or take care of, right? Sure. So, um, so, I, but so yeah, I immediately yeah. did feel vested. Yeah. I came home to my wife and I said, honey, we might be worth as much as $50,000 right now. Yeah. Can you believe that was the moon? We yeah. couldn't believe it. We're like, yeah. wow. And so if I thought working hard was important before that, mm. you should have seen me go. Mm. I, and really, the first thing I did when we took these restaurants was I sat down all of these general managers and I said, look, I have no idea what you do, Yeah. <laughs> but I will take care of you. Mm. And I will not ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. And I'll roll up my sleeves and I'll clean a toilet and I'll work beside you and I'll support you and I'll recognize you. And the first thing I did was start a newsletter hmm. that we ended up buying. We had 11 stores and we were as, had as many as 14 stores, but they open and close. They have 20 year terms. Okay. And so we were more or less an 11 store okay. franchise uh, franchisee. And so I said, I'll care for you guys. And we did do that. I started a newsletter. I took them on retreats. I got into the stores and did fine tooth comb audits hmm. of these stores to make sure that they were clean. Um, they, the managers look, they tell this story, they love it. You know, I came in with a, with a cart and my own cleaners, Simple Green, all this different yeah, stuff, and awesome. my jeans on. And they're like, this is one of the owners and he's in here, he's going to clean. That's and I was, and I, I grabbed the dirty jobs. Yeah. I got down in some of the grease traps, mm -hmm. which make you want to vomit. And I was cleaning these out and uh, working with the toilets and everything. And they're like, this guy's serious. Yeah. And he really does care. Yeah. Um, so that's amazing. Well, you know, it was a, it was, it turned out to be such a blessing because the relationships built back then, I did that for about 20 years with Marriott, I mean with uh, Taco Bell. Um, I still hold those as my most cherished memories and the managers still reach out to me. I'm friends yeah. with many of them. Yeah. 
and they talk about That's these great. relationships. And the times we spent together on retreats, I took them to Mexico and onto cruises and we did different things. It's really important. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, uh, this is a whole different story. So I'm just going to give you a tidbit and we'll set okay. it aside. Okay. In 2008, the economy started to turn and I was pinching myself. I thought to myself, my, ca my cash flow is fantastic. These restaurants are doing well mm -hmm. and the sky's the limit. All right. Sorry for the interruption. Give me 30 seconds. Imagine your friends, you know, those ones who are about to move or the ones who tell you at a dinner party in two weeks they're thinking about moving. Imagine how stressed they are about finding the right lender who's going to provide a great experience and great advice. Imagine how thankful they'll be when you tell them to schedule a call with us at clevelandstreet.com. That's all. Back to the show. My, ca my cash flow is fantastic. These restaurants are doing well. Mm -hmm. And the sky's the limit. Yeah. My kids will grow into this company. We're going to be worth, you know, $100 million in yeah. 20 years. And I thought, could life get any better? What? I didn't deserve any of this. What, what, what did I do here? And um, I got embezzled. Hmm. My controller was stealing money from me. Wow. Oh, and I actually skipped a part. I bought all the restaurants away from my partner. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Did that in 2004. Wow. Um, and that's a story in and of itself. Yeah. He had champagne taste, uh, but kind of a beer wallet. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying, hey, let's just focus on these stores, run the cash flow well, keep them clean and, and running fast, mm -hmm. and we'll be fine. No, he wanted to buy 150 stores in Canada. He yeah. wanted to buy Pizza Hut. He wanted all these things. And yeah. he was spending money left and right, and he went upside down. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, we're all going to be upside down. We're all going to run out. We're yeah. not going to have a, a job here soon. Yeah. And then he comes to me and says, we're going to sell these restaurants. And he says, but the good news is I'm going to sell them to you. So I bought the yeah. assets away. Okay. Did you? What did that process, were you able to do that right then and there? Well, that was such a blessing. Taco Bell liked me, and they liked my operations. Yeah. They didn't like our financials as much, but they thought, yeah, Kurt runs these stores well. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to go to the bank and borrow almost $9 million and oh. then put, what, 15, 20% down, almost $2 million myself mm -hmm. that I had been saving this whole time. Mm -hmm. And uh, the banks liked me and Taco Bell liked me. So suddenly I bought these stores and had a 20-year term on my loans, 20-year term on these stores. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was just fantastic. And I'm, so I'm running these stores. I'm pinching myself. Is this real? and then find out that I'm being embezzled. Mm -hmm. And I only found out because I was having a meeting with one of my general managers and my maintenance, uh, the head of maintenance for these stores. And I got a call from Bank of America. They said, hey, Kurt, you're out of money. I said, that's impossible. Yeah. My ears must be clogged because yeah. you just said I'm out of money. Yeah. I have half a million dollars in my account all the time. Uh, and that's your cash, more or less your, your cash flow that keeps you, you know, because it pumps up to a million and you pay your payroll right. and it goes back down. Yeah. But you can't get lower than that. Yeah. You've got large vendors. Pepsi alone was a $35,000 a month, you know, yeah. payment. Well, they said, yeah, you're out of money. So suddenly I'm thinking about these vendors I have to pay, yeah. my, <laughs> my payroll that goes out every 14 days. And so I turn white as a sheet. Yeah. And I'm back in my office, like, what's going on? Yeah. We had to go into the restaurants empty out our tills in the middle of the day. And the managers are like, what's going on here yeah. to try and get money into our bank account? Wow. It was terrifying. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to crawl under a blanket and yeah. uh, never come back out. Well, um, we found out that my controller, my CFO, who called himself a Christian, I prayed with him every week. Mm -hmm. I told him I would never take more money than you in terms of uh, a payroll. Mm -hmm. And so I kept myself on par with him and I gave him 5% of the company. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. And he'd been embezzling from me for years. That's brutal. He knew that I checked and signed every check over five thousand dollars. Yeah. So he kept his checks to himself under five thousand, and he literally wrote them to himself. Wow. <laughs> we found a trail that was so easy. Yeah. The uh, the the investigators were like, "Wow, this guy. I mean, this is so obvious." We had a nice stack of checks he'd been writing to himself. So he drained the uh, tire flat. So now I'm riding around with a flat tire. And the uh, it was brutal. And yeah. then the economy starts to tank, mm. and the sales in our stores start dropping. Yeah. And I told my staff, my bookkeeper and accountants, I said, "Well, I said at least things can't really get any worse." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Quick guess what? There. Never yeah. say that to yourself. Okay. I got a knock on the door, and it was I INS Homeland Security. Oh, no. Now, whether the IRS had talked to them or not, I don't know. But what had happened was the my controller was not paying the IRS our 941 payroll taxes oh. periodically. He would skip quarter, you know, two of 2006, and then he would pay them, and then he would skip quarter three of 2007. And, and so that would go to him. Yeah. Well, it was helping him with his habit. I see. His theft habit it made everything balance. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah. Right? So he could keep giving me the green flag. Yeah. And. The uh, so the IRS came after me for and when we finally got it all totaled, not only was my bank account empty, but I owed the IRS four hundred forty-four thousand oh, dollars in payroll taxes, and then the INS came along probably because they are in communication. So what's the time frame of all this? This was all happening from in two, from can it get any better to uh, yeah from right this now? was in two thousand seven two thousand eight. Okay. Like, can it get any better than this? I just yeah. can't believe it. And then uh, the tire runs flat, but and I find out I'm being embezzled. Yeah, and the IRS comes after me. Yeah, and then the Homeland Security does an audit of our of all of our uh, I-9s. Now, um, the I-9s are a fiduciary duty that the controller generally watches over and keeps in order, makes sure that they're filled out correctly. You know the I-9 form, right? It's got your SOS on it, and where how how you want your uh, taxes taken out, okay. etc. Okay. Well, those were missing, they were filled out incorrectly, and so you can imagine in fast food how many uh, employees you have turning around, yeah. right? Just, we had about 220 employees, and they, they come and go. So these stack over the f couple of years mm -hmm. just should have been this tall, yeah. you know, this tall. Right. And uh, they fined me $400,000. So now I owe the INS and the IRS. Yeah. yeah. So I'm having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Yeah. I'm having anxiety. Um, so you're at about 850 that yeah. you owe between IRS yes. and INS? Yes, with an and empty bank account. An empty bank account. Hungry vendors who S want their money. Still, still, economy still dipping. Yes, and, and sales that aren't quite covering the, 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 you know, the process yeah. of running each of these stores. Yeah. Okay. We were in a heap of hurt. Yeah, it'd be fun to hear how you yeah. got out of it. Well, it's it's just another one of those turtle on a fence post stories yeah. because I thought to myself, well, look, I'm I'm going to have to have a, a heart to heart with each of my vendors. I'm going to have to talk to my managers. I'm going to have to, of course, go without a salary, and we will figure this out. We'll pump this tire back up, and if people are patient and the IRS has a workout plan, which they did. Uh, and we can do an offer and compromise on these on this debt to the homeland security. Mm -hmm. Then you just pay the pay the piper for you know three to five years to get back in. Mm -hmm. But it was looking 
overly looming and I was I was struggling with my you know with insecurity and my my uh, I I'm not ter- in fact I'm not terribly a confident person but I'm I'm hardworking and honest mm-hmm. and that lack of confidence I think really put me in a mm-hmm. in a tailspin yeah and I overly trust overly trusting individual which is one of the reasons I was ripped off sure and so later on a ca- uh, Forensic accountant was at a party once and said, "Did did he do this? Did he do this? Did he do this? This?" And he had, I said, "He did all those things. Yeah. You know, keep the shades down, <laughs> turn his desk away, all these different. And oh, did he ever man. take a vacation? Never. You know." <laughs> he said, "Kurt, you're an idiot." <laughs> That's brutal. So it was brutal. Anyway, uh, I got a phone call. I'm walking down the street one day, ready to just really thinking that I'm more or less bankrupt and lose everything. And I got a call from a franchise owner who had 150 stores down in Vancouver. Okay. He'd known me from franchise meetings, yeah. and I knew him, had great respect for him. Uh, not, just a kind of a Midas touch kind of guy. Hardworking, uh, 10 times my intelligence, hmm. business, business intelligence. And his director of ops calls me and says, hey Kurt, Tom is uh, wondering if you might like to take this occasion to partner with him. He'll help you out of these financial woes. He can absorb your administrative costs just by folding your company into his for mm-hmm. at least a year. First year, free. He says, and you don't have to decide right now, but yeah. we'll, we'll take over your admin, and that'll save you 250 grand right there mm-hmm. uh, in this first year if you at least consider partnering with us. Yeah. What, what, do you know what his motivation was? What? You know just what? acquire 10 Art, more restaurants? No. Not even that. 150 stores? Why would he care about yeah. 11 up in Seattle that aren't yeah. making money? Yeah. Heart. Uh, I really love this man. Mm. And he... Uh, I so really he heard, believe... He heard that you were in a bad situation. Yep. Right he, knew, he knew me and my wife mm. from meetings and stuff. And I just feel like um, he actually really cared. Mm. I think he said, let's give Kurt a call and see if we can help him out. I, I really believe that. Now, yeah. I've never asked him. Sure. But... Um, where a lot of people would be on the phone and say, well, you know, let me give that some thought. Let me talk about it. I didn't even hang up with him. I said, Eric, you tell him yes. Yeah. And when can we meet? Yeah. And yeah. suddenly this burden was lifted and my mm-hmm. heart was lifted. And I thought, you know what? 49% of something is worth a lot more than 100% of nothing. <laughs> yeah. 100% of negative. Not only that, but I love this guy. Yeah. And so there were other franchise owners and people who said, hey, you should give this some thought. Maybe you should come here. Maybe you should do that. You can get out of this. I thought, no. Hmm. I love Tom. I've, yeah. I've watched him work. I, just a miracle worker. Hmm. And praise God, it all worked out that way. Wow. He is amazing. And he hmm. took over these stores. And uh, it was fun. We went down to his office and he had his team waiting there. He had a dry erase board and he said, Tell me what you want as we do this deal. I'm like, oh, well, I'd still like to be a part of the company and go to the meetings. Okay. Yeah. Um, we, we like the franchise. Uh, every year, the, the all of the franchisees meet in a nice place. Meeting. He wrote all these things down, and he said, yep, that's fair. He goes, you want my attorney to write that up, or you want your attorney to write up? I said, write it up. <laughs> so that was it. Well, anyway, <laughs> that all happened in two... We finally got the whole deal closed and set up in around 2010. It takes okay. a while to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I got a chunk of change out of the deal. And he, he was very generous in that. Hmm. So we suddenly were like a burden lifted. We're yeah. silent partners. He's got 
And I was able to do what I like to do. Hmm. And so Which is you're still running the restaurant? I don't run anything in terms of Taco okay. Bell. Okay. Okay. So I get updates. Yeah. And that kind of thing. Yeah. And I am now so I became, you know, a very small fish in a large pond. Yeah. And that has grown. Hmm. So now I am a part owner of two hundred and seventy plus Taco Bells in wow. five states. Hmm. If you can believe that. The balloon continues to grow. Yeah. Uh, Tom is so intelligent. He gets uh, these venture capitalists, $60 billion capitalists out there. Like last one was from Sweden, I think. And and he uses their money and he pumps up the, and then they get their money out a few years later. Yeah. And he's got, you know, all these restaurants. Mm. He's a miracle worker. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so here we are with this chunk of change. It was a, a large chunk. Of, and I don't mind divulging. It was close to $3 million at yeah. the time. And oh. we, uh, I had... When the first thing I did when I got the restaurants away from my partner was mm -hmm. I got out of, of renting an office space and okay. having that money go up into smoke yeah, every day. Yeah. We bought an old home. Mm -hmm. We turned it into an office and it was really charming. Mm -hmm. um, but when all these, when I ended up selling and going silent, that house became a rental. Okay. And I thought to myself, that was more fun than anything I've done with Taco Bell. Huh. Gutting a house, old homes. I love old homes. Yeah. And remodeling that and then turning it into a rental. Hmm. So that was my model. Starting in 2012, I'd already, I already owned two properties at the time. I started buying these old homes. Hmm. Some old, some of them were sure. in the 80s. But yeah. uh, we now own uh, well, we're 12 homes, 10 of which are rentals. Hmm. And we used this cash not only to buy those homes and starting in 2012 for cash, but then remodeling them hmm. and renting them out. Yeah. And those, you may remember, although you're very young, but it, from 2012 to 2020, the market just skyrocketed. Yeah. I was like a surfer on a huge wave, just hmm. going higher and That's higher. Yeah. <laughs> no, right? And so what I thought was a lot of cash for these homes turned yeah. out to be like half of what they're worth now. Yeah. Not even yeah, yeah. It's more, not even. So we did two things. We created these these appreciating assets and we created this cash flow right and yeah you know I only need 10% of that cash flow before it becomes free cash flow mm -hmm. ie money you don't really need anymore right yeah yeah and that kind of lends itself to what you were asking about yeah so this is where we have gotten at this point okay. and again by no skill set of my own just by God's grace mm -hmm. And his tender mercies. And I often think, well, it's because my wife, whose missionary kid, is so honorable and so loving and, and that he's lavishing her and I'm just riding on the wagon. Because it can't be because of me, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah. I praise God for it. Um, so we're at this point now where we have um, this cash flow that comes in from the rentals. And my job now has, oddly enough, kind of reverted back to my first days with Taco Bell. Yeah. I'm... Uh, Cleaning houses, painting walls. I was painting yesterday, changing out a hot water tank or replacing a toilet or replacing yeah. someone's dishwasher. But these are nice homes. So you are you're still in there doing the dirty work on the homes. Yeah, I'm just a cheapo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I've told my kids this: if you live below your means, okay, you spend less than you yeah. make. It's a very simple principle. Yeah, yeah then it does not matter what job you have. If you've got 40 keys on your waist and you're pushing a broom through a gym every day as a janitor, mm -hmm. but you spend less than you make, you will retire with as good as or better lifestyle than you had that entire time mm -hmm. when you were working.
It's just saving. It's spending less than you make yeah. and saving. And you know, you could call that 10% or 20% that you save. Well, and you should tithe first. Yeah. I will say that yeah. for the record. Absolutely. You've got to tithe first. Yes, sir. It's, it's about honoring God because it's, it's, all, his, it's all his anyway. Yeah. Um, but he asks us to save and to be, to be prudent. It's right out of Proverbs. And so um, I tell my kids, you pay yourself that savings. It's just like paying any vendor or any utility bill. 10 or 20 percent, you pay yourself that savings each mm -hmm. month. And you look at it like that, and it's, that's gone. It's not money that you have to save or for a rainy day or that. That's stuff you need to do too. You mm -hmm. need to set up your own like contingency fund mm -hmm. for when your car goes bad or what have you. But one, if you spend less than you make, mm -hmm. two, you save, and three, you set up your contingency fund. Then when it comes time to retire, you'll be shocked. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, those are super helpful and, you know, simple. I know, right? But it's valuable. simple and so few people can delay gratification. Yeah. Right? Takes himself. And there's nothing in society from me our mass lying media to commercials and uh, keeping up with the Jones. All of these messages are get it now, get it while you can, get it on credit. And those are all lies. Hmm. Those are all lies. So you've got to live below your means. You've got to delay gratification to an extent. And you've got to remember during that whole process that it's really not about money and yeah. things. It's about relationships. Yeah. I'll say this. This is important. I, working in these Taco Bells, I worked with families that were, you know, generally Mexicans. Uh, half to a third to two-thirds of our restaurants were run by um, Hispanics. And Many of them, three or four of them, would be jump in the same van and go home that night. Mm. They'd live in the same apartment. Mm. They live with very little. Mm -hmm. Okay, they'll make a lot of money. Happiest people I've ever met. Mm. Wow. They love their food. They love their gatherings. Yep. They love their family. They love those kids. The cousins and nephews and nieces. They're all part of the immediate family. Yeah. And they're the happiest people. Yeah. Then great. I would sit in some of these franchise meetings with franchisees who would fly in on their own private jets. Yeah. Some of the unhappiest people wow. I've ever met. Hmm. Now, there are wealthy people who understand relationships. Right. And they're very happy. Yeah. And there are poor people who don't, and they're unhappy. Yeah. And we see that everywhere right now. Yeah. But I will say this for the record. The most important thing is relationships and understanding how important those are. First of all, your relationship with God, right? But then those, verti those you know, vertical and then horizontal relationships with those people that you love. If you get that down, and then you follow these principles I'm talking yeah. about, spend less than you make, right? Live below your means and practice delaying gratification. Mm -hmm. You've got it made, yeah. made in the shade. And then you don't have to worry about whether you become a millionaire. I did right. not shoot to be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, there there is a a wisdom that it takes to develop wealth, but y yeah, you can so easily become obsessed with wealth. Absolutely. And, and you have to be wise about money. You know, the the opposite of loving money is not hating money and being stupid with money. Exactly. Um, you have to be wise about it. That's right. But um, but yeah, like you said, it can so easily if if it is about the money then that's where you run into the problem. You're taking the words right out of my mouth. You know, the people who have become millionaires generally have loved what they do. Mm. They're not after the money as much mm. as they love what they're yeah. doing, and they follow these basic principles. Yeah. Uh, many millionaires I know 
eat a banana for lunch and drive a Toyota Corolla. Mm. It's hilarious, right? Mm. Uh, and then I see a lot of people who really don't have a lot of wealth and they spend like they do. Right. They go through a car every two years. Yeah. They have to have the newest. Yep. And uh, it's not it's not wise. Yeah. Uh, you talk about living below your means. Like it, I mean, I think another helpful way to say that is being grateful for what you have and yeah. living well with what yep. you have. Yep. Um, because yeah, if you are spending more than what you have, it's it, you're you're not being grateful for what you've yes. been given. Yes. Um, and if you can't be faithful in that little, God's not going to set you over you're very right. much. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, there's some I don't know the saying exact, but it's uh, something like you know wealth isn't what you live with; it's really what you can live without. Hmm. Right. And I think uh, if we think that that happiness comes from that next item. Right. Um, then you're in a constant chasing process. And so, you know, we learned, like Pastor Owen was saying yesterday that uh, from Ecclesiastes, enjoy the things that God has given right. you. And don't, yeah. you know, curse the man who has the wealth and all. And yeah. we, and we it, striving after those things can be fun, but you've got to keep these things in perspective. Mm -hmm. And so if relationships aren't first, you probably got a problem. Yeah. And you're going to find yourself eventually wearing out and running out. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, we'll we'll wrap up there. I really appreciate it. Uh, I will, you know, you've had some some really good advice on several different things. I'll let you conclude with just one takeaway that you think is important to take away from this conversation. What would you? What would it be one or two, a couple things? Okay, as you read scripture, and I pray you will, because you're going to find it full of real men and women with real problems. That's why we know the scripture is so real. <laughs> These are someone writing a story, a fake story, would never use the narratives <laughs> that we read in there. Yeah. But if you study the life of Joseph and other people who God has used, you will find that they are practicing the principles that Solomon writes about in Proverbs. And that's working hard with your hands, appreciating God and those things that God has given you and that they belong to him of course and then I guess really I, I've already stated the principles that I've tried to live by yeah. and that is just to under promise over deliver work hard at something that you really enjoy doing and be relational hmm. you know relationships that's where it's at because yeah. ultimately when we pass through this quick life mm -hmm. and unzip these earth suits mm -hmm. and it's going to happen quickly uh, the only things we'll take with us are those relationships and our relationship with God of course mm -hmm. the rest is minutiae just goes yep. away yeah <laughs> awesome all right great well appreciate it Kurt super helpful thanks for listening to work is good if you enjoyed it share it with someone else leave a review and listen next week